name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. I'll try and speak up more clearly. How to... <laughs> I'll try and eat the microphone. Okay. Today's uh, topic is a little bit heavy, so I'll try not to speak about it heavy to make up for it. Um, and it's a topic that I, I actually usually don't like to talk about at all, because I think if we frame our spiritual lives based around this topic, we tend to go wrong. But unfortunately, sometimes we still need to understand the wrong to understand the, the right. And I'm actually explicitly talking about right and wrong. Um, I'm talking about the, the sin issue. And building our spiritual lives up on sin as, a, as the main focus is not healthy, right? At the same time, if we completely ignore sin um, and its seriousness, we can also go wrong. So if there is a time to talk about it, it's definitely Holy Week. Um, but forgive me if it's on the, the heavier side, but I'll try and make it clear what the point is. So like yesterday, I want to start with just a, a frame of mind first before we get into the, the content. So I want you to imagine a dad. And this dad is a gambler. Okay, this, this dad gambles all of his money all the time. And this dad's dad was very rich and gave this man and his wife um, money saying, spend it. It's for, the, it's, it's for you guys, it's, it's for the family. So I want you to consider, and all this is gonna make sense in a, in a bit, so just go through it in your head with me. Scenario A, where the dad is spending what he views as his own money, right? He views it as his own. What will be the effects of him gambling, right? Him gambling all the money, knowing that the gambling is wrong. He might become sneaky, right? Might become sneaky because he wants to hide the, the behavior. His attention to his family might lessen because his mind is preoccupied, right? With, with his habits and with the next fix, right? In this addiction. He's probably gonna have worry. He's probably gonna have fear, right? If he gets found out, if he loses it, if he doesn't recover it, right? There's gonna be anxiety. He might give less attention, less affection, right? To his family, less care, less concern, less kindness, right? Or he might do the opposite. He might fake extra kindness and love and affection because he wants to hide, right? What it is that's, that's going on. Uh, his performance at work might suffer, right? Depending on what ends up happening, his kids might not like him, right? They might, they might if they found it out, be like, we don't like our dad. We don't like what he's doing, right? If his wife finds out, they will probably fight a lot. Right? And if you take it to this extreme, maybe he could end up in jail for failing debt. Right? There's a million outcomes. Right? There's, there's so many. I'm just throwing out random ones. There it could be so many. Now let's say it's secondary effects. Right? So that's what the dad did. 
What are the secondary effects? Now his kids might obsess over money, right? They might have one extreme where they're obsessed with money because we want to make up for what happened with the way that our dad was, right? Or they might be the opposite. They might completely disregard and say whatever, right? My dad gambled, we were fine, what's the big deal? Right, it can go, pendulum can go in any way. The kids might choose their spouses based on what they saw in their parents, right? Of saying, I, I, I really don't want or I really do want one of these things. They might gamble copying their dad, right? That's not an uncommon thing. They might not get married at all. I don't want to make it all about marriage. They might be scared of people, right? They might overcompensate and, and hoard their money, right? And be very uh, um, stingy, thank you. Um, or they might overcompensate, completely overcompensate, and just give money like it's nothing, even when they don't have it, right? But the point, and we're going to come, this is going to all come together at some point, is that one person's wrong has an effect beyond one person, right? Has, a, has an effect beyond immediately, right? And has a reaching effect. Now let's say scenario B, that dad spends the family's money doing that. Would it make much difference in terms of effects? Right? It might change how people feel about the dad, right? It might seem like it's more um, malicious, right? It might be more malicious, but the effects themselves are probably the same. Put that on the side. Now consider a similar analogy with illness, right? Just using an analogy of health. If you've been given a gift of health and you go against that, Right, so let's say you insist on um, ingesting mercury. And the reason why I use mercury is because when we were kids, my brother and sister, because we, we didn't know, right? We had an old mercury thermometer, they don't make them anymore. And it broke and we all thought it was a good idea to play with it um, on the counter, right? And seeing how the bubbles joined together until our parents discovered it, um, which is appropriate to this analogy. Right? We had no idea it can make you psycho um, and that it's toxic. Right? But if you insist on playing with it anyway because it's cool, right? um, what does, what's the effect? What's the effect? Whether on purpose, whether not on purpose, whether you knew, whether you didn't know, it would still be wrong. Right? Think about how you would feel if you know that people are selling mercury to your kids, right? Or selling drugs on the streets, right? Or handing out vapes to everyone in junior high at school. What would be your internal reaction to that, right? What would you be thinking about that? Because knowing or not knowing what you're doing is wrong doesn't necessarily change the effect very much, right? It can affect the social context, but it doesn't necessarily at all affect um, the outcome of what it is. One more scenario. No, two. I lied. Now, imagine if you care about the environment very much, 
because you think that environmental health matters. And you do everything you can, you recycle, you're teaching your, your, your friends, you like separate them out, you have your compost and you sign up for the newsletters, you do whatever people do these days. And then your neighbors have a group bonfire where they just burn their tires. Right? What would you make of that? Last scenario, and we'll start putting it all together. Imagine if a friend of yours had a disability or some kind of issue that you know, some kind of health issue, and you go and buy for her a $10,000 gift, right? To fix her issues for it. Let's pretend she's got some disease where she can't lift, and you discover that for 10K you can get this thing that, that acts as mechanical arms and will take care of all of that for her. And you're so excited, right, that you got this thing for her. And imagine if you went and visited a mutual friend and found that $10,000 gift there. Or imagine if you went to her house and found that she was using it as a coffee table, right? Or the cat's litter box is on it. And imagine if you found it incredibly damaged from negligence. From negligence, not from an accident, but it's from pure negligence. Now, on top of how you feel about the gift giving, that's one part of it. How will you feel when you see the woman is still suffering, right? Where it's like she's, she still can't reach, she's still in pain, she's still upset, right? And it's like, but it's, it's right there, right? However you react to any of these scenarios, suggest that you believe that there's a right thing to do in these different scenarios and that there's a wrong thing to do. And that's the context that, that I wanted to come to today, right? The context that none of us like to talk about wrong. We like to talk about other people's wrongs and yell about people's wrongs all the time, but never to their face, only online or by text, right? Because we don't like that discomfort of saying, I think, that's, I think you're mistaken. I think that's wrong. Even though clearly we have strong opinions about it, right? Because everyone's screaming and yelling these days, right? But there is such thing as right. And as a consequence of there being right, there is such thing as wrong, right? Wrong doesn't have its own existence, right? Wrong is simply to oppose rightness which is real okay and that's the context of a lot of these readings because we don't like at church when we talk about sin right it's become very unpopular right and so we try not to talk about sin right always encourage the positive and in general i think that's not a bad thing right but this week doesn't make any sense at all if we don't acknowledge that we're wrong, right? It doesn't have any meaning if we don't. And so because of that, we need to understand what, what is sin, right? What is this thing called, called sin? And why does God hate it so much? And this is why the readings of the mornings have been taking us through history, right? On Monday morning, we read about the creation 
Because for us, sin isn't some random fluffy concept, right? It's not um, an idea of just, okay, God randomly decided to give us a list of things and say, don't do these things, right? Which is often how we speak about it, right? When we look at how we were created, if we think about things and think about anything that you can think of, if you want to know why, how should someone use something, you have to ask the question of, well, what was it made for? Right? It's, it, it, it's, it's a no-brainer. Right? Imagine if you took a table and you flipped it on its side and said, wow, this is a great clothes holder. Right? So now you start hanging your clothes on the legs that are up in the air. And you can. Physically, you can. But it wasn't designed to be that. And because it wasn't designed to be that, it's not designed to carry the weight in that way. It's weakening, period. From the moment you started using it like that, it's weakening. You're also going to find other issues. That drawer, it makes no sense vertically, right? So when you're pulling it out, it's like, I don't know why everything's falling. Why did they make it like this? Because it wasn't made for that, right? And so we're forced to ask if we're going to use something, what is it made for? And that's why the church started by saying, what were you made for, right? And it was purely love. That's it, right? There's not a however, there's not an if. It was, I don't need to make you. I'm not in need of you, right? I don't need minions. I don't need people shouting, you're so awesome, you're so great, right? And if that's what he wanted, then when he created man and and woman in the garden, he would have said, my first order to you is to tell me I'm awesome. And he didn't. Right? He said to them, I made this for you. Take it. Name it. Take the animals. Take the, 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 the food. Whatever. This is yours. Adam, what do you want to call it? Right? And then says to Adam, it's not good for you to be alone. Right? It's not, it's not right. He could have said, I'm enough. Right? He's like, no, 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 no. Have it help me. I'm equal to you. Right? And says, here's your identity. Right? Because what he did with man and woman that was different, was this precious gift, this more than $10,000 gift, right? Where he says, I'm not making you like the animals. I made the animals for you. They are for, they, their purpose is for you. You are me. You are my offspring, right? Anything made by virtue of being made, that's not self-existence ends right the only the only thing in existence that's self-existing is god right that's one of his characteristics it's what makes god god it's not because he chose it it's who he is it's his identity so anything that's made must die right and so god said but i'm giving you the gift of being me let us make man in our image and likeness Right? Let me give you my characteristics. Let me give you my DNA. And I'm going to give you something that's not part of your nature. I'm going to give you incorruption, immortality. Right? I'm going to let you live forever. Right? So why don't we? And that's the sin issue. 
right? Though I don't read, is the sin issue. Not as a punishment, right? Not as a punishment. If I take a car, because a car is made of material, and I scratch it, I have immediately begun the process of oxidation. It's going to rust. It can happen slowly. It can happen quickly, depending on the environment. But it's begun. Right? If I cut the skin of an apple, it's browning. Right? You can put it in a fridge. You can put it in a freezer. It's browning. You can slow it down by putting it in there. But it's browning. Or you can kill it, like fast forward it. (laughs) But it's... It's corrupted, period, right? And so the source of our immortality, the source of our incorruption wasn't ourselves. It was our communion with God, right? It was that we had received in the garden that day, St. Cyril and St. Athanasius teach us, the Holy Spirit, and saying, by my uniting to you, you have this gift, right? And so long as you preserve it, I'm in you. But light and darkness can't coexist. Right? They can't coexist. Right? And that's why when man chose continually to do wrong, as we see in Genesis 5 or 6, where God says, I, my spirit will no longer contend with men. I will no longer argue. I'll never, I'm not going to fight with man. Right? I will remain on him until he says no and I will leave. Because there can't be this coexistence. Right? So sin is purely to go against the image and likeness that we are in. That's what it is, right? So holiness is a thing, not because it's random, because it's who God is. Honesty is a thing because God is truth, not because he just likes that on the list, right? Purity is a thing. I'm not just talking about sexual purity. Purity in general is a thing because God is pure, right? We are these things because of who he is, because that is who we are by being his children, because it was given to us, it was gifted to us. And different diseases might have different side effects, but all sin is disease, and all sin leads to death, in the same way that no matter how big the slice is, it started, you started the process, the corruption has happened, right? It's already, it's already begun. And so God, this week, what he's solving is a death issue, right? It's a death issue he's solving, that because of sin we're dying, but we can't ignore that the death issue is caused because of the sin issue, right? That these are the two that are, that are linked. And sin, said in another way, is self-worship, and I don't think we're comfortable hearing that, but that's what it is. Right? Because it's saying, I don't care how you made me. Right? I don't care about my identity that was given to me. I'll do me. Right? So all sin on some level, whether we mean it, don't mean it, how strong we are, those are their own conversations. But the root of it is the same. Right? The root of it is, is the same. And it's why in that first analogy... It would be like the dad who keeps gambling even when he knows he shouldn't. Even when he knows it's affecting family, it's saying, I'm still choosing me. Right? We might have various reasons to feel sympathy for him. The issue right here is not sympathy. 
it's about that this person is still making a choice, right? And that choice is self, right? That choice is me over others. And so God hates sin. He really does. He still does. That's still a New Testament thing. Um, he hates disease, right? He doesn't like disease. He didn't create disease. We did, right? We brought in disease. By man, death came into the world, not by God, right? By man, death came into the world. On one level, and I think this is the one that I think people focus on too much in their spiritual lives, is they view it as offensive to God as though it's just contempt of God because he doesn't like it. But it's contempt on a whole other level because it's saying, I couldn't care less about the gift you gave me. Right? It's like saying this, this, this fancy fur coat you got me, I'm using it to wipe my boots off from the snow. Right? It's, it's offensive. Right? It's, it's offensive. And there's other stories that we're reading throughout the week where it's offensive to act rich like you saved up for it, like you paid for the 10K gift, right? But you, and you put people down with it of being like, oh, you don't have one? Oh, are you poor? Right? I have this thing, right? That, that through the reading, some of the times, this is what's, what's going on, right? And sometimes we take credit as though it wasn't a gift, which is how I think most of us are living, right? Most of us are living with no regard for how we're supposed to live. I don't know how many of us, myself included, regularly think about how we ought to be living as opposed to how we are living. And he also hates it not just because of the personal, that he got a gift. He hates it because of how the enemy is using it. Right? Where he's, like, in the analogy of, of someone selling drugs to, to, to the kids or vapes to, to people, that the devil is doing that with us too, and not just the devil, we are as humans also. Right? Of saying, I hate this thing that's ruining my family. Right? I hate that this addiction is rampant, that everybody, everybody is doing it. It's killing everybody. He's upset that people are dying. Right? Not upset because how dare they defy me. Right? Of saying, you're my kids. Who wants to see this? Imagine, think of any, any of you, of anybody that you care about, how you'd feel if somebody actively was destroying someone you care about. Right? You're not going to be like, oh, no big deal. Right? It, it, it'll affect you. It also upsets him because it affects others. Because your disease, your sin, can maim, hurt, or kill others too. Right? Look at all those effects we talked about with the dad in that analogy. There's an immediate effect to everybody around. Right? That's something that didn't stop just in the circle of himself. Because we live in community, nothing's personal. Everything's communal. Whether we like it or not. Whatever we do affects other people. And in the reading from this morning with Noah and the Flood, the world had gotten so bad that the world had become so anti-health, right, that it was toast, right? It was, it was, it was boasting being, being anti-God, right? Poor analogy, forgive me. Imagine if, I mean, pandemics are a real thing to us now. They weren't five years ago. Um, 
imagine if Ebola, when it broke out from Africa, where we had a certainty that if it left the continent, all of humanity would be destroyed. Right? It becomes within the realm of options to say, should we destroy, I'm not saying what the right answer is, should we destroy Africa to save the world? Right? That it's not, it's not a we're mad at Africa for having Ebola. Right? It's Africa has Ebola. <laughs> right? What do we do? Right? Because in the narrative of, of this that we're not going to try now, God was saving them and Noah all in all, but that's its own topic. But that's why God is upset with sin, among other reasons. And there are sins that are voluntary and there are sins that are involuntary. Voluntary is contemptuous. Right? Voluntary is when, when I know and I don't care. Right? And it's saying, I matter first, I am the standard. Forget what it's for. I say X. Right? And voluntary spreads disease more because it's malicious. Right? It's like saying, yeah, I'm going to smoke even if there's secondhand smoke, even if my family might get cancer, I don't care. Right? I've chosen it and I'm also choosing something that affects other people. And involuntary is still a big deal, right? Like somebody from, a health, from the health analogy perspective who's exposed to secondhand smoke, it doesn't matter if they wanted to or not, they got it, right? It did affect them. But it creates an environment of contempt, an environment of we don't care, right? Because reactions read more reactions, and we forget the whole narrative, right? Imagine, I'll put my brother on blast, he's in Abuna now, but forgive me Abuna if you end up hearing about it, but my brother is viewed as my parents as the computer god when we were kids, so my brother took advantage of his position and convinced my parents that I, his older brother, for the sake of memory conservation on the computer, should have only five megabytes of space, right? And that I should be limited to 30 minutes a day on the computer, right? And that the computer should be moved to his room for safekeeping, right? <laughs> Obviously, I wasn't a big fan of these decisions, right? Now, if I rebel and get angry and, and, and raise a ruckus, because my brother did wrong, <laughs> right? Often the wrong can create an extreme wrong reaction, right? Of being like, and now if I try and get the power because I'm upset, of being like, you're going to get two megabytes and three minutes, right? Because wrong creates wrong and we start trying to respond to each other, right? So an environment of wrong breeds more contempt, breeds more wrong, right? It, it leads us to more. And then instead of asking what's the right way to use a computer, what's the right way to share, What's the right way to respect each other as siblings? The, the right questions. We start passing laws about computer usage. Right? There's a reaction. Right? And we miss the point. And then people say, well, what's the point of this law? It's like, oh, because you don't understand. Abuna AP and Abuna Theodore got in this big fight. Right? And so we had to make a rule. But it should never have been about Abuna AP or Abuna Theodore. Right? It should have been about what's right. Right? That's the first question that should have been ask. And so people today hate that expression of saying hate hate the sin, love the sinner, and they think it's fake. I don't I don't think it's fake when understood rightly. Right? Of saying 
I hate that people are dying. I really do hate disease. I hate that there's Parkinson's. I hate that there's diabetes. I can hate that. And that has nothing to do with the person, right? If anything, I'll have sympathy and compassion for the person, right? And all that matters is, are we creating an environment that promotes health? And are we making the decisions that keep us healthy? And in the, the places that I have control over, what do I choose? Right? What do I choose? And so if you can understand all of that, then you'll understand where these readings um, come from. God is reacting to the sin of the people, the sin by the people, the sin from the people, for all of those reasons that we talked about. Right? And they had tools, just as we do, that they were able to use to know how to use the gift that they received. Right? And so they had the tool of the law, right? The law being the manual, right? Because when people say, well, how am I supposed to know how to use it? I say, well, I wrote a handy manual for you, right? So that you can know what proper usage looks like. Here's a manual, right? He gave them the prophets and the priests. He gave them personal and group coaches. Incidentally, they typically murdered the prophets, which is in one of the readings. It's like there's even rituals, right? Hand washing makes you remember that there's such thing as disease. It's a ritual, right? There's a sign in every bathroom saying our employers must wash their hands, right? And it's there saying we announce that health is a thing, right? That even rituals can point at, right, these, these ways that we're supposed to be doing things. And, of course, they had um, their consciences, and so the rebukes, this anger that you're reading the readings, you'll notice that he's rebuking for when people either ignored those tools, right, or abused those tools, or when the people responsible for upholding or using or giving those tools failed. So you find him blasting the priests, actually, in the readings throughout the week, right, saying, my people perish for lack of knowledge because of you, priests, right? He, he doesn't hold back, right? Um, and he also is rebuking the people for how they're using their choices. What he's not mad at them for is illness, right? He's not blasting them for being sick. He's challenging them on why they're sick and how they're sick and what they're doing about it, but not that they are sick, right? In the first hour this night, Dross, he's upset saying you're mixed, you're fake, right? I'll pretend to be a good dad who gambles, right? And he's saying that doesn't work. Wrong is wrong, right? You can't pretend that you're able to be a responsible father and do this. They don't mix. You can't be Dross. You're a mixed metal, right? Be pure. In the third hour, you might be behaving when dad is around, right? When he says... When the, when, the, when the master has gone away, how do you behave, right? You behave reprehensibly, saying wrong is wrong even if I'm not standing there, right? I bought you the gift. If you take off the litter box when, I, when I'm there and it's on there I'm there, it's still the same thing, right? The ten virgins, right, in the sixth hour, those who did nothing, right, is saying I'm ill and I want to do nothing about my illness, Right? I don't even care. Right? This is, this is offensive, especially when, when the gift was the health. 
right? Of just saying, I don't care, I'll be sick. I'm like, but I gave you help, right? But, but who cares? And the ninth hour is where he says, what do you, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets, are saying, you murder anyone who tells you you're wrong. Right? That's what we do. I think we all do that. Right? How many of us are comfortable being told that we're wrong? If your initial reaction to be telling that you're wrong is defensiveness, then you're not in a state of wanting to know what's right. You're in a state of believing you are right. And a person who wants to know what's right is always listening, right? And that person is unmoved, right? Because what if you, as we talked about earlier, you did a wrong by accident? Good to know. What if what you meant wasn't wrong, but was, what was interpreted wrongly? Maybe you spoke in a way that was really offensive to someone. You're just being yourself. I do this all the time, <laughs> right? So if somebody comes and says, hey, why did you speak to me like that? And I'm just like, well, because that's how I speak, right? Then why not pause and say, oh, I'm so sorry, I didn't realize I upset you, right? What is it that you thought I was saying so that I can fix how I say it? As opposed to starting with, I'm right, and you should accommodate how I speak, right? If I'm there, then I now believe that I am the standard because then I'm not asking what's the point of communication, Right? What was the point of the person even coming and telling me? What was it for? Was it for reconciliation? And my response is more anger. A person who does not believe themselves to be the source of right has so much peace. Right? I still suck at this, but I remember I overused this story. When I have, a, I have an addiction to technology. Right? I, like, I like gadgets. And when I was a pharmacist, I could buy whatever I wanted. In the monastery, not so much. So one time I was visiting the first year after I joined the monastery, and I was at Best Buy with my brother. Um, and I saw this phone that I liked, and I was like, you know what? I think I need this. And I was like, here, if I get this, it's big enough that I can get rid of my tablet, and then I have less devices, which is more aesthetical. Um, and then I can do this. And, I'm, and, I'm, and my brother looks at me and goes, dude, you always do this. And he's like, you, you give this whole long story. In the end, you're going to buy it. And you're not going to get rid of the tablet, right? And you're going to have them all, right? And honestly, two years before it, I would have been like, that's not true, right? But I was trying to practice this. And I'm just like, you're right. Right? I mean, you're actually right. I think the issue is, I'm vain. I'm like, I want it. I just want it. I don't need it. I just want it. Um, and I don't want to look bad in front of you, so I'm trying to overcompensate with why I need it. Right? And my brother got so uncomfortable <laughs> with this over-confession thing. I'm the guy who was just joking. And like, you can't. I'm like, no, 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 you're right. I left happy. Right? And then it solved another issue for me. I'm just like, okay, but the issue is not that I buy it. Maybe I just need to figure out over what intervals I can get it so that it's not excess. Right? Is that I suddenly felt liberated. And instead of it being a nasty day, we're in a fight because wrong beats wrong. And then he's annoyed that I'm annoyed. And I'm annoyed. He called me out. And, 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 and. Right? 
and then that ruins our mood when we go to see mom and baba and and, and everything goes forward, right? Is that it gets very easily, right? I challenge you all to think about this is a true story, right? To bring it back. I think we talk about these things theoretically, we talk about these things philosophically, we talk about these things as ideas and nice ways to talk or interact. But it's not, it's not just a story, it's, it's a true story. And just like we should be asking what are things for, right? Do you ask who am I supposed to be? Do I think about right and wrong? Because I don't know if we all do, right? Think about that, especially throughout this week, and just say, if this story is true, what does it mean? If the Lord is who he says he is, what does that mean? What does that mean about how I'm living and about what I do? What does that mean about whether I'm choosing right or wrong? Because at the end of the day, what God gave us from day one, as we saw in the narrative, was choice. You can choose rightness, you can choose wrongness, you're allowed, right? Both of them are allowed. But the end result of disease is the same, it's death. The Lord isn't going through this week as a rescue mission for himself, right? The Lord is on a rescue mission of his dignity, right? Of his honor, right? If, if anything is the complete opposite, he completely, completely laid down his dignity and his honor to take on the form of corruption, of humiliation, and of death, which was foreign to him. It's not a rescue mission to recover the money he invested in that machine. It's a rescue mission of his bride, who is gravely ill. It's an outpouring of love to his diseased people saying, my body is your vaccine and my blood is your remedy. My life is yours. I gave you my identity. Let me take yours on and do, do humanity with you and for you. Let me show you how to live. Let me infuse you with my life. I am the goal and the means, says the Lord. And by myself, says the Lord, I have sworn that I will heal you. I will have you and none shall take you away from me. May we respond to his love with our own, saying that we choose him, that we love him, that we will be in and with him. To him be glory now and always to age of all ages. Amen.